0: Welcome to the Ryan Wallace Sports Podcast. It is July 4th, 2018. Happy Independence Day to all of you out there. have a very special couple of episodes here uh, today and tomorrow. I did an interview with one of my good friends, Nicholas Halper, and I. the interview went way longer than I expected. I thought it was going to go for maybe just about an hour or so, but we actually got two hours of content, so we're going to split that interview up We're going to do the first half today on July 4th, and we're going to put in the second half of that interview tomorrow. We talked about a lot of topics in today's portion of the, I guess you wouldn't really call it an interview, more of a discussion. We mainly focused on the NFL, and in tomorrow's portion, we talked a lot about Major League Baseball, and we also touched on the World Cup. Uh, Fantastic news for... The, the podcast. We have gotten approved on several more services. You can now find this podcast on Google Podcasts, Breaker, and Radio Public, along with Anchor, Pocket Casts, and Stitcher. You can also visit my newly redesigned website at ryanwaldus.com for all the latest news about me. And if you want to connect with me on social media, be sure to do that. Just search up my name at Ryan Waldis on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Snapchat. If you can think about it, I am probably honest, So definitely give me a shout. On any of those social media sites, I would love to have a discussion with you about whatever. So this is part one of my discussion with Nick Halper, part two tomorrow. So I hope you enjoy. I now welcome on to the Ryan Waldis Sports Podcast, Nick Halper. Nick worked with Pro Football Focus for a period of time. He's also currently part of the Cul-de-sac Sports Network. You can see them on SoundCloud. I will provide a link for them. At the end of this podcast, he's radio show, won an award a couple of years back. Really one of the most knowledgeable people I know about the sports world. Decided to bring him on for this special July 4th edition of the Ryan Waldo Sports Podcast. Nick, how are you doing?
1: I'm doing good, Ryan. I'm glad to be here. Excited to talk about sports with you again. Being able to do a radio show with you at Monmouth, uh, getting up every day. I don't know how you guys did it. But I was able to jump on, have great conversations with you and Matt, and I'm excited once again to be in front of a microphone talking to you about sports.
0: Now, Nick, it is July 4th today. Uh, do you do anything fun on July 4th? Do you have any fun traditions or do you just kind of relax a little bit?
1: No, um, I want to say every couple years now. Uh, my buddy Richie, his father, uh, whether it be in December or even the day of July 4th, he tells me, you're going to be here next year. So <laughs> for about last six or seven years now, I've been going uh, to my buddy's Richie's house uh, for 4th of July. Mr. Kelly, um, who served in Vietnam, uh, sets up uh, a great party, burgers, hot dogs, pretzels, all of these games that he has acquired over the years. He has ski ball in his garage. He has an arcade machine that has over 400 games. It's a fantastic time. I look forward every year to going to the Kellys' house for 4th of July. And I, I don't have to go anywhere because they live close to Franklin Lake, which is uh, inside West Long Branch. And I can see the, them launch the fireworks from the Kellys' driveway. So it's it's a fantastic experience. I'm looking forward to it once again.
0: So, are you a big fireworks guy, or are you not really a big fireworks guy? No, I
1: have to watch fireworks every year. I get mad at myself if I don't watch the fireworks.
0: Now, see, I'm the other way around. If I'm somewhere where they are, I'll watch them, but I'm not going to go out of my way to go see fireworks. I
1: stop what I'm doing to make sure that I watch the fireworks from beginning to end. I only watch fireworks about once a year, and 4th of July will be that time. If it's during a football game or a baseball game or whatever, I mean, you know, they're just doing it to do it. But to me, it, like, means a lot to watch the fireworks go off on 4th of July.
0: I got you. As I look outside my window right now, it looks like I'm on the front lines of Hurricane Irma, so I hope that this kind of goes away before tomorrow. But we got some sports to, to talk about. We're going to start with the NFL, moving into a little, little baseball, and then ending with the World Cup. Nick is a big soccer fan, much bigger than me, so he should be able to provide insight that I am not able to. We'll start in the NFL. So yesterday on Twitter, NFL Network tweeted out uh, a list from one David Carr, the former top draft pick of the Houston Texans when they just came into the league. David Carr, um, his top 10 quarterback list was released. Uh, it, it faced a ton of scrutiny from uh, a lot of different avenues. I did not see one person that fully agreed with it. So just to, just a brief recap, his top 10 was Brady, Rodgers, Brees. Derek Carr, Russell Wilson, Stafford, Rivers, Matt Ryan, Cam Newton, and Jimmy Garoppolo. Uh, it, Nick, I don't know about you. Uh, I saw multiple issues um, with this list. There's guys that are higher than they should be. Guys aren't even on the list that should be on there. Uh, there's, it seems to be a bit of nepotism on the list as well, which, to be honest, I wasn't too surprised about going through this list Nick cuz I know you saw it too what immediately what what was your issue with
1: it my me, my immediate reaction Ryan is just understanding that this was a top 10 list for right now a lot of people make top 10 lists these days and they don't give context behind it sometimes when I do a top 10 list I'm 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 a prisoner of that too I make a mistake when I, you know I shouldn't we have to look at the list for what it is. This isn't a, Hey, these are the 10 quarterbacks that I'm going to pick going the next five years for a franchise or, Hey, these are the 10 quarterbacks that I'm going to pick because the final drive is coming up and my life's on the line. these are just the 10 quarterbacks that one um, Mr. Carr has decided to choose. And I don't necessarily agree with all of them. I can agree with some of them. And The other thing that a lot of people sometimes lose in this is when, when we get down to the final four or three or two guys, you're not always going to be able to agree. There's always going to be one thing that puts one guy over another. And that's something that I know that everybody will kind of have an opinion on, but you are right, Ryan. There is a lot of people on this list that don't belong. A lot of people that might be on this list that you're thinking, Hey, maybe down the road, but not right now. And you had mentioned to me before we had started, um, you know, the season last year that there were a lot of people that have these high expectations of certain players and low expectations of others. And sometimes that kind of like makes you not really view the guy fairly enough. I'm not really sure what factors went into him deciding who should be on, who should be off. I know he gave reasoning for everything, but still you have to look at it as a, was it a list that's a year by year thing? Is it a five? Like everything matters when making a top 10 list and no one's ever going to be fully agreed with, but for the way that I understand the list, I don't agree with much of it. I,
0: I want to start with the top three because I think that's where the, the least amount of issues are. And I think you brought up a good point to when you get to the final one or two guys, there's always going to be just based on personal preference, what you're looking for. But I, I'd imagine most fans around the league, myself included, can agree that Brady, Rogers, and Breeze uh, probably deserve to be in that top three. Did you kind of see that too? Maybe not necessarily you think maybe they'd be in a different order, but could you at least agree that they deserve to be in the top three?
1: Any time you bring up quarterbacks, if those three guys are not the final three guys you mentioned, you aren't watching the right tape, you aren't watching you know, the right game film. At any given moment, you can put film on of these guys. They can put the ball wherever they want to. They manipulate the defense. There is no stopping them when they're on their game, whether they're hurt, whether they're healthy. They are the three best quarterbacks in the league age aside it doesn't really show on Sundays um, but again like I just mentioned you know if you're going to sit there and say hey you know what quarterback do you want for x amount of years I would take Rodgers first then Brees, then Brady if you said hey drives you know final drives on the line who do you want I'm going to take Rodgers over Brady because he can do so much more with his body than Brady can um, but overall Ryan you're 100% right the final three guys have to be regardless of the order Brady Breeze Rodgers well, whoever you put ahead of Someone is on you, but if it's not those three guys, you're not looking at the right stuff.
0: So the top three, uh, as we both agreed on, we're fine. It's when you get to four down uh, that it starts to get very questionable. Four especially. So you, you look at Derek Carr. Somehow he just had the worst season of his career, uh, especially over the second half of the season. It seemed like he was content to, to just throw the ball short every time. He wasn't making reads properly. His mechanics kind of kind of went awry. Now, his brother's reasoning for this, David, um, in this entry, um, he said, the 2017 Raiders had a down year, which is fair to say. Now, he says, now, with a new coaching staff, I believe the Raiders and Derek will get back to 2016 form. I've seen Derek and John Gruden interact, and Derek's game is going to benefit tremendously from that move, and after watching several practices during OTAs, the offensive skill players really fit Derek's style. Derek had some back issues last year, and I think he returned too quickly. Now healthy and able to go through an entire offseason, his mobility is back. Given that, along with Derek's arm talent and ability to buy time behind a solid offensive line, and I'm not sure how defenses will cover this dynamic offense. Now, it's it's great that you can have confidence in your brother. Uh, there was a point where Carr looked like he was going to be one of the next up-and-coming quarterbacks, in the league, but it, it's mind-blowingly insane to me that you can justify, brother or not, putting this guy at number four on your list. There's so many things that he has to battle. He did so poorly last year. It's he should. He, it might be a hot take. I don't think he should be in the top fifteen at this point. Much less a number four.
1: So when you look at Derek Carr um, and you think to yourself, <laughs> "Well, okay, well, obviously David." this is david's list it's his older brother obviously his older brother is going to have confidence in his little brother but after this year and i want to start with after this year instead of before this year after this year started i don't remember if it was marty Schottenheimer, but somebody said the raiders offense completely changed what we saw in 2015 and 2016 was exactly the same and then in 2017 they changed everything and they decided to go away from Derek's strength and i don't know why But for some reason, the Raiders completely warped their offense and Derek Carr struggled mightily. And that's why the team did not play very well. That's why they drafted where they drafted. If you go back to 2015 and 2016, 2015, the team finished seven and nine. He completed 61% of his passes, almost had 4,000 yards, 32 touchdowns, 13 interceptions. That's good stuff. You go to 2016, the year that he got hurt, the year that I think if he was healthy, I think they would have represented the AFC if they had a chance to play uh, against the Patriots. Lucky or not, close games or not, they were playing well. They were winning games. That's all that matters at the end of the day. He goes 12-3, and three, completes 64% of his passes, almost has 4,000 yards, 28 touchdowns to six interceptions, and he has seven fourth-quarter comebacks with seven game-winning drives. That's all good stuff. But those stats don't tell you that the offense he was playing in was working to his strengths. It was making him comfortable. It was easy for him to succeed. And he was able to show off all his physical tools because everything was working for him. Now you go into 2017, and the offense isn't working on his strengths. It's It's working against him. So it's just showing his flaws. It's showing his weaknesses. And he's not really able to put up the team like he was the last two years. He still made the Pro Bowl, which again, popular vote, not really the best measurement. But when you think about it, even at his worst year, which was probably last year, aside from his rookie year, he had 500 less yards than he did the year before. He only threw six less touchdowns. He threw seven more interceptions and he only had one game winning drive and one fourth quarter comeback for a team that wasn't very good on defense for a team that had a lot of issues on the offensive side of the ball and a team that had completely changed its offense after working it for two straight years. So can you punish Derek Carr for the Raiders organization making a change? No. Does he have to be knocked down a couple notches? Absolutely. If you were going to sit there and this is the, this is the, the context part that I just mentioned before, Ryan, is this list just last year? Because if it is, I would agree with you. Derek Carr shouldn't even be in the top 15 the way that he played last year. Offensive change or not, I'm not going to sit here and say, yep, he's definitely deserving of that. But with all the information that we have present, the way that he was trending, the fact that things are going to go back to the way they should, I think we could all say that if he had the same type of offensive scheme set for 2017, the team would have looked better than it did last year. He has all the arm talent in the world. I think you could say, yes, he is a top, 10-ish quarterback but what is the list saying if it's just last year then no he should not be listed in the top 10
0: okay now yeah i i agree with you 100 percent. now we go down to number five and this is this is where we're probably going to disagree we've disagreed about this since november he has russell he has russell wilson at number five now his reasoning he says Wilson and Cam Newton are about the only two signal callers who can carry their teams without a lot of talent around them, which, bullshit right there. That's not a true statement whatsoever. But he goes on to say that Wilson is an accurate passer and a dangerous runner who picks up a lot of hitting yards. He scampers a few times. And the next thing you know, he has 80 yards on the ground. That's eight first downs. Now, I think that's, that's kind of stretching it uh, a little bit when you're trying to advocate for this guy. I'm a big Russell Wilson guy, uh, Nick, as you know, but I'll admit that even last year, it was probably one of the one of the worst, if not the worst, year of his career. It, it just it, it seemed like everything with him just went completely to, to shit all the positives that he had shown throughout his career. It seemed like they all went away last year. And I'll, I'm more than happy to use the, the if you want to call him an excuse, you can do that, the offensive line, the, the lack of talent around him on that offense. But there were even times when he was just holding on to the ball too long. He just left the pocket as soon as he got the snap. He ran into pressure. So there were times last year when he did not look like a very good quarterback. I think he is a top-five quarterback. I think five is fair, but, Nick, I know that you will uh, heavily disagree with that.
1: Yeah, and you go back to the stats, and you're looking at yourself, and you're like, well, how is this guy not a top-five quarterback? You know, his team on the offensive side was struggling mightily. They didn't have a running back. They had – what was it, J.D. Masickick, who used to be an ex-wide receiver at one point, now playing running back. He had accounted for all of his team's touchdowns. It was the most touchdowns he had thrown for uh, in a career 34. He 34. He had done 34 once before in 2015, but, you know, definitely with the circumstances, you would say this was more impressive. But like you said, Ryan – just because the numbers say that it was good doesn't mean it actually was a good year there were times where he was holding on the ball too much there were times to where he wasn't going through his reads properly there were times to where it looked like he was putting himself in danger when he could just be using that offensive line for the one or two times they actually protected well the team was nine and seven it wasn't as strong defensively as it was before and everyone said man look at wilson carrying them so much and i gotta be honest with you Ever since this guy has stepped in the league, he has been handed everything. He was handed a a running back that was, if not the best running back, the second best running back in the league in Marshawn Lynch. He was given not a top five defense, one of the top five defenses of all time, if you really think about it, in the Legion of Boom. I mean, this guy has been given everything possible, and now when it was his turn to carry the torch, when it was his turn to really make noise, he only goes nine and seven. He's supposed to be this guy. He's supposed to be this top tier talent that's supposed to put your team in the playoffs no matter what adversity you have. I remember a couple of years ago, and again, you can scrutinize me for saying, oh, well, he's the greatest quarterback of all time. But Brady's defense was horrible. Brady did not have a top tier defensive player on his team. Brady had a bunch of guys that just went out there and fucked it up a lot. But he got them to where they needed to be to get to the Super Bowl. Russell Wilson didn't do that this year. Russell Wilson, too many times, has shown that when the game is on the line, he does not know what to do. He puts his team in bad situations, and throughout his career, the most game-winning drives he's ever had in a season is four. The most fourth-quarter comebacks he's ever had in one season is four. That's not really good for a guy that's supposed to be a top-five quarterback. This guy, when you give him the ball at the end of the game, he's supposed to carry you throughout that tough time. He's supposed to put your team in his position to win. And I got to be honest with you, for a guy that has so much mobility, I know the offensive line is bad, but the fact that... The sacks are still coming with his ability to run is not very good. Taking 40-ish sacks a year for a guy isn't healthy. And you saw that as he's gone throughout his career, he's continued to get injured. He's not able to do as much. And once you take Russell Wilson's legs away from him, he's not a good pocket passer whatsoever. He does not have downfield accuracy. He does not have good touch on the football. You can find plays from time to time that he does that. But through 60 minutes, when you what you see out of Breeze, what you see out of Brady, what you see out of Rodgers you're never going to find that in Russell Wilson. And to me, that's the difference between top five and all the guys that are kind of below in the top 10-ish area. And that's why I don't think he's a top 10 quarterback. You, If you can't do anything to get into my top 10, there's no way you should ever be considered for top five.
0: I think Carr has a point saying that Wilson, he can carry the team without a lot of talent around them. I think he kind of has a point, but he's not on the level of I know for a fact that Rodgers, with the team, no matter who's around him, he's going to get that team to 10 wins. I know that Brady's going to get that team to 10 wins. I'll go back further and say that, and Nick, you're a Cowboys guy, so you would vouch for this. Tony Romo is one of those guys that even if they had a pile of shit around them, they could still carry that team on their back as much as they could. When I think of Russell Wilson, has he, you know, has the offensive line been good during his during his tenure there? No. Has he had the best wide receivers? No. Has he carried the team at times, yeah. But am I confident that he can do that consistently for sixteen games? No. And as you said, we saw that last year.
1: And the other big part that a lot of people sometimes knocked, you know, Peyton Manning for when he was still going up against Brady was, man. Peyton's got all these weapons and Brady doesn't and he's still beating him every single time and then all of a sudden Brady got Randy Moss and all of a sudden I was like, holy crap, like, look what this guy's doing and you see how much better guys become and whatnot and, and this is the other big thing on why I don't think Russell Wilson's a good quarterback is you had a guy in Jimmy Graham who was with the Saints all the way up until 2014 and everybody you would have asked would have said this guy's going to be a first bout Hall of Famer with the career that he's having right now. He continues to do what he's doing. He's going to be a first bout Hall of Famer. He gets to Seattle. I get that the offense is different, but Russell Wilson ruined him. Russell Wilson did not know how to use Jimmy Graham, and I know that a portion of that falls on the offensive coordinator. I know a portion of that falls on Pete Carroll as the head coach not being able to really utilize a talent like Jimmy Graham. But if you're Russell Wilson, if you're the leader of this team, you're the quarterback, you got to make sure that Jimmy Graham is being used as much as possible in every mismatch situation and being able to flourish like the tight end that you thought he was going to be. When he was with New Orleans, he was catching over uh, 99, 85, 86, 85. He gets to Seattle. He didn't have one year over 65. That's horrible. That's absolutely horrible. He had multiple double-digit touchdown years with New Orleans. He only had one with Seattle. That was last year. He never had a thousand-yard season with New Orleans. I'm um, with us with Seattle, and that's really bad. And that falls on Russell Wilson. I know that he can throw the ball a lot to Doug Baldwin, but you're telling me that Jimmy Graham. In 2014, before he gets, you know, dumped to Seattle at the end of the year, you're saying, oh, dude, first ballot Hall of Famer, no question about it. And then a year later, a year later after he gets traded in 2015, you're like, man, Jimmy Graham's career is over. That's not Jimmy Graham. That's Russell Wilson not being a good quarterback. That's showing that that guy doesn't even know how to win when he's got good weapons around him. And we're going to see. We're going to see this year how good of a quarterback Russell Wilson is. I'm not going to be shocked when the Seahawks draft top five next year. I'm not going to be shocked at all. I'm not going to be shocked when we're sitting there halfway through November and Russell Wilson probably has the second or third most interceptions in the league. not going to be shocked whatsoever. But this is the time. This is the time to prove you really are the quarterback you are. And, Ryan, you made a a great statement. Rodgers, Brady, Breeze, even Romo, they're going to get their team to 10 wins. They're usually going to get their team in a situation where they can get into the playoffs possibly. This is going to be Russell Wilson's first test. I think he's going to fail, and I think he's going to fail big time.
0: So we get through the top five. Now we move to the bottom half of this list. This is another thing that I, I disagree with. So he has Matthew Stafford at six and he uses the same cliche argument that every single analyst uses when they talk about Matt Stafford. Oh, this guy's got a big arm. Uh, he's a natural thrower. Yeah. He keeps the lines competitive more often than not. He's got to the lines to three winning seasons in the past four years with two playoff appearances. It, I I think that Stafford is a solid quarterback. Do I think he's top 10? No. So I think having him at six uh, is a little asinine. I'm interested to see what he can maybe do with with a run game this year. That's the one thing he's never really had. He's never really had a run game. So I'm interested to see maybe what he can do with that this year. But it's I, I don't know, Nick, I feel like Stafford at six for for anybody is that's 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 too high for me.
1: Stafford's one of those guys, Ryan, that you'll kind of sit there when you're going through your top 10 and you're like, does he make it? Does he not make it? Does he prove enough? And then, like I said, it goes back to that context thing. Well, what are you looking for? If you're looking for arm talent. And sure, if you're looking for a guy to carry your franchise, eh, maybe if you're looking for a young guy that you want to put ahead of your team and, and whatnot, you're like, okay, you know, he would kind of make it. And, and that's where the confusion kind of comes up. If you're just talking about last year and what Stafford was able to do, I mean, he, he played quite well. I think that overall Matthew Stafford, you know, kind of had this Calvin Johnson shadow over him for a long time and he wasn't really able to get out of it until he left. And you see that as a career, Stafford has been put in a bad situation because he's had very bad teams uh, that he's been on, you know. And, you know, the the 5,000 yards and the 41 touchdowns, you know, that only happened once. You look at all the other years that he's been able to put up yards and put up touchdowns and it has not been as much as I thought it would have been. But still, I think that this guy – isn't the upper echelon of, yes, I do not need the top-tier talent. I can turn Julian Edelman's into possible Hall of Fame considerations. I I can turn um, Ben Jarvis Green-Ellis's into viable running backs. Like, that's not Matt Stafford. But if you give Matt Stafford a pretty good defense – you give Matt Stafford a pretty solid offense. I think Matt Stafford's going to feel comfortable. I think Matt Stafford can put the ball in places to where it needs to be. And I think Matt Stafford can definitely put you in situations where you need to win. And not in 2017, Ryan, but in 2016, he had eight fourth-quarter comebacks and eight game-winning drives. His team was 9-7. and I know that you know last year that wasn't the case. He had four game-winning drives and only one fourth-quarter comeback. But a quarterback to be able to show that, hey, listen, if I'm not playing, this team's not winning many games, that's a good thing. But he needs to do it a little bit more to kind of really reach upwards of that list. I know you're going to continue to go down the list, Ryan, but a lot of the guys that are underneath him would definitely not be um, that low to begin with. And two, they wouldn't be lower than Stafford on on my personal list.
0: I agree. I was actually just going to ask that. So you move to number 70, have Philip Rivers. Love Phil. I, I think he's one of the most underrated quarterbacks uh, of the past decade or so. It seems like he never gets the respect that he deserves. And I, I understand that part of that is because the Chargers, have, they've they've never made it to the Super Bowl during his time, which is – it's really a shame when you think about it, especially those talented teams they had, you know, in 2006, 07, 08, during that time period. And and David even says that. He says he's been an under, underestimated quarterback for a long time. I, it's. I felt bad for him last year because early in the season, you remember those the the special teams errors? They cost his team. I want to say what three wins early on in the season that could have helped that team uh, a ton. But it's. I, don't know, I think especially at this age, he's he's gotten a little more inconsistent than than he used to be. But overall, if you make any top ten lists, this is a guy that's definitely in that in that six to eight range. I'd say.
1: And I would say Phil is probably in the same boat for what the Cowboys had to deal with with Tony Romo to where he was so good. He was carrying this shit behind him, but the team was never able to figure it out. And he just kept giving them nine and seven, eight and eight, seven and nine seasons, And he's looking around like, guys, give me something here. Help me out. I'm putting us in a situation to where we can maybe make the playoffs. You just have to give me something. And it's sometimes a bad thing to have a quarterback that good and not the team around him because he's going to keep you on the fence. You're never going to fall into purgatory and you're never going to fall over into prosperity. So when that's the case, if Phil doesn't get hurt, you're just going to keep going through these mediocre seasons and you're just going to keep wondering, man, if only there were that one extra guy, there was that one extra piece. And it stinks because early on when he had LT, they weren't able to beat the Patriots in 06. The team went 14-2. and two. Then there was a time to where he squared up against the undefeated Patriots with one leg. LT was on the bike for the whole game. I mean, Phil's never been able to go up against one of these top-tier teams at full strength ever. And now, all of a sudden, he's hitting the age of 37 this upcoming year. And, you know, Joey Bosa and Ingram, everyone's like, oh, man, so great. And the offense is look good. And it's like, whoa, Phil's almost out of time now. But throughout his career, he's been a very consistent quarterback. I think Phillip Rivers is definitely a Hall of Fame player, in my opinion. He is one of those guys to where he's going to be forgotten. And you're going to go through the stats, and you're going to be like, man, this, this, this Rivers guy was, was really good. But he's not going to have the playoff success. You know, he's not going to have anything that shows you that he was one of the greatest of all times because of the fact that his team wasn't good enough. And it's unfair to punish Phil in that aspect because he was that good of a quarterback. Like you said, Ryan, the special teams blunders, the really bad defenses, certain players like Eric Weddle walking away from the team because they didn't want to deal with the organization anymore and the way they were running it. It's just been really bad all around, and I wish Phil would have gotten out. I think Phil would have done so much more if he had gotten out, but he's a one-team kind of guy. I love Phil a lot, and maybe he can do something this year to kind of get his name etched in history a little bit more than it is already.
0: I think it's interesting that you say that when we get to the future, he's he might get forgotten uh, initially. That two thousand four quarterback class is always going to be intertwined, I think. But I definitely agree through that. You know, it, especially as we get later on into our lives, maybe when we turn, you know, 30, 40, 50, where people are going to look back at this class. Oh, there was that Roethlisberger guy. He had a ring. Oh, Eli won two rings against those really, those really good Patriots teams. Wait, who's this other guy? Oh, this this Philip Rivers guy. He doesn't have any rings. Oh, but he was. It seems like he was really good. It's it's a shame for him. Now I want to ask you this. It's it's a hypothetical. Let's say it's it's been asked a lot but let's say Rivers and Eli that never happens. What do you think how do you think their careers play out if they don't end up going to different teams after they get drafted?
1: I don't think either team would have won a Super Bowl. Eli Manning is one of the luckiest quarterbacks in NFL history. I don't think Phil would have been able to win with that. That Giants team statistically the 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 07 Giants team that defeated the undefeated Patriots are statistically the worst team to ever win a Super Bowl in NFL history. I don't think Phil would have put them in situations like that. I think that he would have won a lot of games and they would have drafted different players and there would have been different circumstances. And I don't think it would have gone down the way it would have. That completely changes everything. I think because of that, the Cowboys team might not have been 13-3. There might have been a loss there. All these dominoes would have changed and whatnot. But what would have happened with Eli Manning is he would have had LT. He would have had Marty Schottenheimer. He would have been coddled. And then the second LT kind of started to wear down. They would have put it on Eli's shoulders and he would have completely screwed everything up. I don't think there would have been any luck factor. I I think Eli would have made everything worse. Um, He has been one of the most interesting quarterbacks I've ever seen in my life. The fact that he can sometimes throw five touchdowns in the next week against the, what was it? Three and 13 49ers one year, he throws five interceptions at home. So it would have been a mess. But out of the three quarterbacks that you just mentioned, I don't care what the rings say. Philip Rivers was the best quarterback out of that draft class. It wasn't Ben Roethlisberger. It wasn't Eli Manning. It was Philip Rivers. He was he was consistent. He was always playing to win when it came to playoffs. Outside of the two years that the team finished four and twelve and five and eleven, I think Philip Rivers is the best quarterback out of that draft class, and I, I would take him over Ben Roethlisberger over Eli Manning. Because I'm going to get a consistent guy. I'm going to get a guy that's going to be giving me over 30 touchdowns. I'm going to get a guy that's not going to be turning over the ball a lot. Dude, would, you, would you want a guy that's going to throw you know uh, so many interceptions? He leads the league three different years. No quarterback in NFL history has won two Super Bowls and then also led the league in interceptions three different times. And we already know that there's enough problems with Ben Roethlisberger on the field, and I'm not even mentioning the stuff that he does off the field that I have a problem with.
0: Now J.P. Lawsman was also drafted in that quarterback class. Where did he put him in in that in that group of four? J.P. Law. He was drafted number twenty-two overall.
1: Oh man, I feel bad for him because concussions really hurt him. Do you think he uh. would have
0: been good, uh, regardless of that? Though I feel,
1: uh, I don't at, at know. The,
0: at the time, I think it was like looking back. Like so I've read back, and I think even at the time. It was a reach at 22, but the Bills thought they had their guy, and clearly they didn't.
1: He's going to be one of those we'll never know because the concussions really hurt him. I think there were times to where he played a little bit above his head. Um, there were times where he was the guy that got overdrafted. But overall, when you know when you have something like a concussion that's involved and it takes away time and it takes away the ability to do things, you just have to sit there and wonder. Some people are going to sit on the positive spectrum and say, man, he could have been something if just the right thing clicked. Other guys are going to sit on the negative spectrum and say, this guy got overdrafted. What were the Bills thinking? They're not really making the right decision for the franchise. And then there are going to be guys in the middle that said, could have went both ways. And I'm kind of in that gray area to where if the right thing had happened, maybe all of a sudden the guy blooms and blossoms into an unbelievable talent or the wrong thing could have happened and, and it could have you know, ruined him and whatnot. I, I kind of think about that about Brian Hoyer. Brian Hoyer was playing amazing until he tore up his knee in Cleveland. Now, all of a sudden, he can barely play football. Does that have to do with the fact that he tore up his knee, or was that just the fact that he was just going to run out of luck? I don't know. I don't know. But it's something to think about when you kind of go through these things of how injuries affect guys and, you know, where they could have been or what they they are now because of that. Slowly moving down
0: this list, Matt Ryan at number eight. I don't want to get too much into it. Did he play like he did his MVP season? No. Was that all his fault? No. Uh, but, Nick, would you agree that, you know, eight's probably a good spot for him? He's definitely a top-10 quarterback.
1: Yeah, Ryan's a top-10 quarterback. Not going to, you know, sit there and really question, you know, where he would be exactly. But overall, I think Matt Ryan has been a steady Eddie kind of guy. Not amazing, you know, but but not terrible. Uh, sometimes he'll give you spectacular seasons. I think overall the Falcons you know, definitely have things that a lot of people wish they had, two running backs that are in fantastic, an offensive line that actually is pretty good. And, I mean, who wouldn't want Julio Jones? The guy doesn't say anything, and he's probably the best receiver in the league outside of getting injured at the wrong time every single year for fantasy purposes. But Matt Ryan, solid quarterback all around, definitely in the top ten, but I don't know how much higher he would go than eight.
0: Moving down to, to, to number nine, Cam Newton. Uh, David Carr says he's the LeBron James of the of the NFL, which, oh, okay. So you, you have to kind of sit there and, and think about that statement for a while. He said if he needed to run 20 times in a game, he can. If he needed to throw for 400 yards, he can do that too. So I, I understand where he's coming from with the comparison. I don't think it's a very good one. And, and Nick, I don't know about you. I'm, I'm a Cam Newton guy, but I don't know if I would have him uh, at nine on this list.
1: Yeah, I think again, Cam Newton is definitely one of those guys to where you sit there and you kind of have to like take in some of the comments and really like look at them the way that Carr is looking at him. And for the LeBron comment, obviously, it's hey, listen, he shouldn't really exist. You know, he's a video game creation when you look at him, the fact that he can throw the ball like he does and, and run the way that he does. And again, for LeBron, you know, he runs like a truck and he runs like a gazelle and hits like a truck. And it's incredible on how these athletes are able to stay in such great shape and also have so many abilities that, again, we would only imagine in a video game. But overall, we know that Camus had accuracy problems. He's not the greatest thrower. He can make spectacular throws from time to time, but he doesn't do it uh, enough for me to say, yes, that's definitely worthy of what he can do. The running factor is obviously something that gives him an edge over other quarterbacks, but we also have to consider the fact that a a traditional quarterback – or quarterback that we would want in our team has the ability to put touch on the ball, has the the ability to read a defense properly. And Newton does do a lot of those things well, but it's really that ability to put touch, place the ball exactly where you want it time and time again is to where he kind of struggles. That's where he kind of falls in my area of nine, 10 ish, or maybe just on the cusp, but he has all the physical talent in the world. It's just a matter of doing it a little bit more consistently to where you could say, yep, he's worthy of that spot.
0: Now, rounding out uh, Carr's list, it, this is a thing I had a, a major issue with. You have Jimmy. He has Jimmy Garoppolo at at number 10. So, Garoppolo, for people are probably familiar with the story, he comes in, he he ruins the, the 49ers' tank job. He goes 5-0. and oh, uh, He plays in six games total. He can play 67% of his passes. He throws for over 1,500 yards, seven touchdowns, five interceptions. He averaged close to nine yards per attempt. I think that in the future... And this is it it all goes back to what you said multiple times already, Nick, how the context of the list is important. I think that in the future, Garoppolo can be a top 10 quarterback. I don't know. And I don't think I would put him in, in the top 10 right now. I think I need him to prove to me that he can be top 10 over a longer period of time.
1: Yeah, there's a lot of guys, Ryan, that I could pull up and just looking at a depth chart right now, you could sit there and say, well, Jimmy Garoppolo has done this little and this guy's done this. And based on the tape, we know who one is and we don't know what the other is. And I kind of look at guys like Matt Schaub. We know what Matt Schaub is. Why? Because we've seen a lot of film. him. Do we know what Garoppolo is? No. We have speculation of what Garoppolo is. All right. Well, we had speculation what Schaub was when he was sitting behind Vic. And guess what? He turned out to be a okay quarterback for a little bit, and then he petered out and wasn't able to do the job for the Texans. That could be Garoppolo, but we don't know yet. He hasn't done enough for me to say one or the other. Same things with rookies that come in the NFL. Josh Rosen, Sam Darnold, Josh Allen, Lamar Jackson. I mean, how much upside does all these guys have, right? They got a huge upside. Some guys are going to play a lot. Some guys aren't. Some guys are already pegged, like Baker Mayfield. He's like, oh, nope, too short to play, but, whatever. but wait, we got to see what happens. We have to see what happens on Sunday, and we have seen a very, very small sample size of what this man does on Sunday. We know who Ryan Tannehill is on Sunday. We know who Joe Flacco is on Sunday. We know who Eli Manning is on Sunday. We don't know who Jimmy Garoppolo is on Sunday, and anyone to sit there and say you do, you're lying to yourself because five game stretch the couple games he played with the Patriots it is a completely different ball game when you're going into work and you know that you're the guy and the target is now on your back and you have all these extra responsibilities and now it's up to you it's one thing to say oh, I'm going to fill in for Brady for a day or two or hey I just showed up the team stinks I'm just going to go out there and just have fun No, no, no now the game has changed we've never seen Jimmy Garoppolo in this position before And I think a lot of people are going to be surprised at what they get when the 49er season comes to a close this year. I don't think he's going to be amazing. I don't think he's going to be bad. I think he's going to be somewhere in the middle. But the expectations have been set so high for this guy, he's going to fail regardless. If he does not become the guy that everyone thinks he's going to be, he's going to fail. And
0: Nick, we we have a, a mutual friend uh, who loves Jimmy Garoppolo and has said multiple times that he is going to be a top five quarterback. He bought a Jimmy G shirt already. He, he did. Not... We, I'd love to get him on the podcast soon to talk about some stuff because he's, I, I said it in yesterday's episode that he knows his stuff, but it's, I, I like how you said that he's being set up to fail. And I think that's the case with a lot of things now in, in this day and age. We We give these guys so much hype and we give these guys so much media attention and, oh, this guy's going to be great. And then you watch him and you're like, oh okay is that it and it's a shame it doesn't mean that they're not good but it's they're built to be the next big thing and then when you finally get to watch them even if they're good you're like well I was I was told that there would be more and I think in Jimmy's case it's kind of a shame that now he has all this on it and it seems like he he can handle but he has all this on his shoulders entering the season he has all this undue pressure that I don't think is very fair
1: So let me ask you this, Ryan. Would it be fair to say that Jimmy Garoppolo is kind of being compared to what Aaron Rodgers had to go through with Brett Favre to where you have a guy who you draft, who some people thought should be pretty good, not going to be legendary or Hall of Fame set, but should be pretty good, sits behind a Hall of Fame quarterback for a long time, learns from some pretty smart people, and then all of a sudden he finally gets a chance, and he goes out there, and everyone said, oh, yeah, he'll be pretty good, but all of a sudden, you know he shows how good he is, and you're like, Whoa. Aaron Rodgers might be the greatest throw of football of all time. Now, all of a sudden, here we go again. But this time, it's the greatest coach of all time in some people's mind, the greatest quarterback of all time in some people's mind. He sat behind those two guys for quite some time. Everyone's like, dude, you saw what Rodgers did with Favre. Favre didn't want him. You saw that the Packers aren't as smart as the Patriots. I mean, this guy has to be the second coming of God, isn't he? And it's like, "Well, wait a minute. He's never played a full season yet. Give him a chance. That's a lot of pressure on one person. To all of a sudden be oh you sat behind brady all those years oh you you definitely uh you know scared him enough to not want you you must be really really good oh bill was teaching all this stuff oh you must be really really good like this is that situation magnitude times a hundred and any little error that garoppolo has like you said it's going to be magnified so much i don't know how he he or the 49ers as a team are going to handle this
0: i agree it's i think you you Give the kid a year and then and then revisit this in a year, but let him play a full season and, and then go from there. Now, Nick, I'll ask you this. The, the, the number one guy I saw in the mentions um, of this tweet was Ben Roethlisberger. Would he be in your top 10?
1: Going through the list and evaluating it just for right now, if I was going to pick 10 quarterbacks that I would roll with just for next year, Ben probably would just make the list. Um, there, I I don't know what number he would be, but I can tell you Garoppolo wouldn't be on the list. I can tell you that Russell Wilson wouldn't be on the list. I would say that Derek Carr most likely would be a fringe guy, most likely out of the list. And that leaves kind of about three spots available for him to be on this list. I would say Ben would definitely make the list. I would throw your boy, Carson Wentz on there on the list. Again, I know he didn't put him on the list, but if for context purposes, and I know we keep going back to that word context, if we sat there and said every quarterback in the NFL is healthy, aren't we missing that guy in Indianapolis on this list right now? Isn't that guy one of the best throwers of the football that you've ever seen when healthy?
0: I agree. I It's it's easy to forget about Andrew Luck just because he hasn't played a lot. Um, he's just finally getting back to, to throwing the ball. But as you said, when he's healthy, We've seen, And he, you, you want to talk about carrying a team. He has carried some pretty shitty teams up there in Indianapolis during his entire career. So it, when he's healthy, he, you can see why he had that pedigree coming out of Stanford. Is, oh, this guy's going to be the, the next great thing. So I, I think I would put him in my top 10 now. I want to ask you this. So David Carr said um, when he was asked why Roethlisberger was off his list, yes, he's a future Hall of Famer, and there's no doubt he can still help the Steelers, but he has the most talented skill players in the league on his unit. And that pair makes him look great 14 seasons in. I don't think Big Ben could win a ton of games without them at this stage in his career. Now, I, I want to ask for for your opinion, because I thought the, the, the response was total bullshit. Do you agree with what he says?
1: You should never punish a guy for being surrounded by top-tier talent. What that statement says to me is, Okay, I have to take Brady down a couple pegs because Gronk's on his team. I have to take Matt Ryan down a couple pegs because Julio Jones is on his team. I have to take Phillip Rivers down a couple pegs because he has Keenan Allen on his team. I mean, if Russell, I mean, if if Matt Stafford still had Calvin Johnson, are we going to punish him? Like, how can we punish guys just because the team did a good job at building around the quarterback? That's not fair. Are we going to punish Drew Brees now because all of a sudden he's got Mark Ingram and Alvin Kamara and you know, Michael Thomas and all these other web, like, are we going to punish him for that? That that sounds ridiculous. I think overall, Ben Roethlisberger still has the talent to take hits, still has the ability to put the ball in places to where most people can't, but he's putting the ball in danger a lot more than he used to. And I think that the Michael's uh, motorcycle accident definitely took a couple seasons off of him. I think he's kind of come towards the end of his career. He's definitely not hit the wall that Peyton Manning hit his final year with the Broncos. But still, to sit there and say that Big Ben's not a top-10 quarterback is not an educated statement by any means whatsoever. If you got a personal vendetta against him, if you're thinking that, hey, listen, this is the case maybe, that's ridiculous. You can't sit there and tell me that Jimmy Garoppolo is a better quarterback than Ben Roethlisberger. You can't sit there and tell me that Russell Wilson's a better quarterback than Ben Roethlisberger. You can't sit there and tell me that Derek Carr or Matt Stafford or Cam Newton are better quarterbacks than Ben Roethlisberger. You just can't. There is no way whatsoever you can tell me that. They might be more passionate about football right now than Ben Roethlisberger with some of his comments. They might be better choices going forward than Ben Roethlisberger. But if I got one year, if you're telling me that all these guys are for one year based off of what I saw last year. I'm taking Ben over all of those guys. It's not even close.
0: Now, I kind of want to go into one final thing with this top 10 list. So, I'm just, you said that you take off a few guys. There's maybe three or four spots. So, we kind of agreed that six of the guys on this list the guys like the Matt Ryans, the Phillip Rivers, and the Breeze, the Rogers, the Brady they all deserve to be there, um, and rightfully so. But uh, I'm just going to go just rapid fire, yes or no. Tell me if you would consider putting them uh, in your top 10. Now, I'm going down this uh, QB index. That was the best thing I found now you've already said that you would put Ben and Carson wentz in the top 10 so that leaves you roughly one or two spots depending on who you actually take out. so would you put Alex Smith in your top 10?
1: No, but he would be, he would definitely be close.
0: would you put Kirk Cousins or is he another one of those fringe guys?
1: we're gonna we're gonna definitely get a possible top 10 appearance on the list if he does what I think he'll do this year for Minnesota.
0: This was a guy that apparently was just left off of Carr's list, based on what was at the bottom of the at the article. Deshaun Watson.
1: No, nope, I need more film.
0: I agree. Uh, we just said the same thing about Garoppolo. Watson only played one more game than him, so I think that's that's fair. Uh, Case Keenum.
1: No, I need more film.
0: I agree with that as well. Not, I you you know this as well as I do because you had to listen to it for multiple days every week. I'm not a Keenum guy. I think he's very overrated. I think he's going to be uh, extremely. We're going to see his flaws this year, but uh, Jared Goff.
1: One more year. I think right now, based on the way that he's played, you can make the argument for him. You could say that, hey, it, it is the guy that they drafted, but at the same time, was it Fisher was it Sean McVay or was it the fact that he wasn't ready until McVay, like whatever excuse you want to use or whatnot, we're not really going to know until we kind of see it unfold. And maybe he might not ever get his due golf might not ever get his due. They might sit there and say Fisher was right. He wasn't ready. And then McVay showed up and that's why he was ready. Or Fisher's just an idiot. And he stunted this guy and look what he was able to do with a coach that actually knew what he was doing. Those questions will always come up. That's why it's kind of hard for me to really pick out what golf is, where he lands. But I think, Maybe a year or two, I could sit there and really say, you know what? This guy does have what it takes. He is a top 10 quarterback.
0: So I was a, a self-pronounced Jared Goff hater entering the 2017 season. I think I had him entering the year between 29 and 32, somewhere around there. Uh, but he, he definitely proved me wrong. He took a big step forward. And as you said, you know, he might never get the respect that he deserves. because people are just going to say, oh, well, it was it was all McVay. But I, I – I don't know if I would say fringe for me but I think he's definitely reached, you know, that top half of quarterbacks in the league. Um I think that's all I want to ask cuz we can all agree that Dak is nowhere close. Uh no, no no. I we can agree that Jameis isn't close. He had the potential but he has never he's never reached it um unfortunately. Uh let's see Mariota. Uh I think that and he I think he has the potential but he's not close right now.
1: He's got to get more polished in the pocket. And also, I want to see more games to where the run game is not easy going for him, and he has to really show me he can pick apart a defense. Because legs are what he uses first before his arm. I want to see arm before legs.
0: And the final quarterback I'm going to talk about, uh, I'm a big Tyra Taylor guy, so we're going to... We're gonna put him in here. I don't think he's top ten. Uh, I don't think he's one of the fringe guys, but I think he's also in that top half of quarterbacks uh, in the league.
1: You could have a solid season with Tyrod if you have a team that's built around him. That uh, you you kind of want your guy to just not turn the ball over, put your team in winning positions, let the defense do a thing. That's Tyrod Taylor for you in a nutshell. You could say that Tyrod Taylor is the same thing as russell wilson where the guy's gonna manage a team he's gonna put you in good situations he's not gonna kill you with stuff but when the pressure comes on when he has to do more than you want him to you're more likely going to lose the game than you are win the game i think tyrod taylor is going to be decent for the browns but he's never going to reach top 10 status
0: so that was a nice discussion about David Carr's asinine top 10 list. Uh, we got some nice, good, good takes in there. The final thing I want to touch on uh, with the NFL before we move on to a couple other different sports is something that Patrick Peterson uh, said yesterday. Um, he was asked about Josh Rosen by some of the reporters and Peterson uh, here were some of his quotes. So he said, the, the first thing he said was, I'm very impressed. And this was on the the Rich Eisen show, uh, just to provide context. To see him make checks and get guys in line early, I was like, has this guy been here before? I was very, very impressed of his spring camp, mini camp, OTAs. He's just been extremely sharp. And then he went further to say, because there was that kind of that stigma around Josh Rosen. Oh, this guy is entitled. He doesn't care. He has attitude issues. Um, and Peterson said... Honestly, since he's been with us, he's been the total opposite of what you hear from the media or you hear from outside people. The way he's able to grasp the offense and get guys in line right now, I've been very, very impressed with that. As far as his throng motion and quarterback IQ and his pocket presence and all that stuff, it's off the charts. I've never seen a rookie come on a team and do some of the things he's doing. Um, And as the article goes on to state... um, he's never really seen any good rookie quarterbacks because you would have to look at Ryan Lindley and Logan Thomas. Those are the only quarterbacks to be drafted by the Cardinals during his time. But I I understand what he's saying. And I wanted to transition this into the, the rookie quarterback class that just entered the league. So uh, Nick, it's pretty high praise from a guy like Patrick Peterson, um, who was at one time, one of the best cornerbacks in the NFL. And depending on who you ask, he's still in that kind of upper echelon. He's saying that about his rookie quarterback, who do you think is is going to be the best rookie quarterback this year?
1: So just a comment on Patrick Peterson's comments, Ryan, I think Patrick Peterson needs to be careful of what he's saying. Everything is like vanilla right now. There is no winners or losers of training camp. In terms of guys that like didn't get drafted and just make the team, those are the winners and losers. But for a first-round draft pick, what are you on the team for? to win football games you can't win football games right now there are no games to be played to where it is deciding of playoffs and whatnot so you're not seeing josh rosen in the element i was just talking to my cousin michael about this i the one thing i love about my cousin michael is the fact that whether you see the worst situation the best situation or just an average day you get the michael the same every day michael will never change regardless of the situation josh rosen Things are okay right now. They're not great. They're not terrible. But what happens when the team is 0-5? Is he going to start being entitled again? Is he going to start sitting there saying, I don't really care. I mean, I could just quit right now, and I'll I'll be fine. Is he going to be that guy? Or is he going to be a guy that says, hey, you know what, guys? We've had a tough stretch of games, but we're going to go out this Sunday. We're going to kick ass, and we're going to right the ship, and we're going to start making sure that we earn our paychecks. We don't know because we've never seen that situation in front of Josh Rosen. But based on everything that we've heard, you would assume he's going to quit on the team. He's going to go to the self-entitlement. He's going to be the guy that everyone expects him to be. How How is this Sam Bradford-Rosen thing going right now? We don't know. It's only been a couple of days. We haven't really seen the announcement of he's going to be the starter and this guy's going to be the backup. So once all of those things come to a head and we start seeing Josh Rosen face adversity, we'll really start to figure out if what Patrick Peterson said is true or not. I don't think Patrick Peterson is wrong to say what he did, but he needs to be careful because everybody has a facade. Everybody wears a mask. The comments that came out about Josh Rosen are not a bunch of lies. There is truth behind them. And I'm pretty sure that if he could play tennis, he'd probably choose that over football right now because it's a much safer sport. And he'd probably make it a lot more money. So with all that being said, I think Patrick Peterson expects good things from Josh Rosen, and hopefully he backs up his future Hall of Fame cornerback's comments. Because the last thing you want to do is have a guy go out there on a limb, pump you up, and then all of a sudden you turn into everything that, you, that he said you weren't. That would be really, really bad. In terms of the upcoming rookie quarterbacks and, and what we have looking forward, I, I think it really comes down to how the Browns manage this current team and what they do to give Baker a chance to win. Because that right there is going to be the big factor. We know that Darnold's going to get his chance. We know that Rosen's going to get his chance. We know that Lamar Jackson's going to get his chance. But guys like Baker, who are on teams that aren't very good, have a long history of being bad, and overall you just sit there and go, are they going to get a chance? Is he really going to be able to eh, blossom and emerge for the guy that we want? I'm not really sure. I told you this when it happened. I thought that Darnold should have been the number one overall draft pick. It wasn't him. It was Baker. Again, not the guy I would have went with, but a fine choice. Josh Allen, not the guy I would have went with at seven, but the Bills wanted a tough, strong guy with a big arm, and palm of watermelon. Sure, you go with that guy. He has terrible accuracy issues, and the receivers weren't big and fast enough to play football. You want to give a fine, great, excuses galore. A guy that I think got punished for being black, Lamar Jackson. He's a very good quarterback. His ability to put touch on the ball, he's a dynamic runner. He can read the field very, very well. He's not limited in anything. I think he'll continue to mature and evolve as a quarterback as time goes on. There's a lot of things to look uh, forward to with a lot of these guys. If you just want my opinion on the guys that were drafted in the top half, because I'm not going to go down and talk about Mason Rudolph or Kyle Letta or Mike White. But for the guys that were drafted in the first round, the most confidence I have in being a good quarterback in the NFL would be Baker Mayfield. I think his moxie, the chip on the shoulder that he has, the way that he carries himself, the fact that he wants to put his team before himself is a great check mark to have. I would say Sam Darnold. I love the big, strong arm. He has the physical tools. I think you know, with more coaching, he's definitely going to evolve into the guy everyone expects him to be coming out of USC. And then my third guy would be Lamar Jackson. Definitely loved everything that I saw coming out of Louisville. A lot of his team was really, really bad. You saw that when they played LSU, they just stood no chance. I mean, it looked like Pop Warner versus high school. It was, it was, it was a train wreck. And then I would say, pick your poison. Do you want the guy that's self-entitled and might completely flake out and not want anything to do with your team? Or do you want the guy that who knows if he's actually any good at football and Josh Allen? I mean, that's right there. The two biggest issues I have with the first round is Josh Allen, does not look like he can play football. Josh Rosen can, but we don't know if he's actually going to follow through with it.
0: I'm a big Baker Mayfield guy. I've said it for a while. He's my number one uh, out of the first round picks. I don't know when he'll get a chance to start. I think it's unfortunate for Tyrod, but I think at the first sign of trouble for Tyrod, he's going to see the bench and Baker's going to go in just because I think he's he's more of an explosive playmaker, uh, especially for Cleveland as opposed to Tyrod. And they're going to want to see what they have in them. I don't want to say as soon as possible because I don't really think they're in that position, but they're, I think we're going to see him at some point this year. He's my number one. Uh, I like Lamar Jackson a ton. I think when we look back at this, he might end up being the, the second best quarterback from this draft class. Uh, it's it, If it was up to me, he would be starting week one. Joe Flacco is not a starting quarterback in the NFL anymore. He's not even remotely close, but because of that contract, he's probably going to get it the starting job for a while, uh, but I hope. And we get to see Lamar start at some point for this Baltimore Ravens team. I think he's going to make that team a lot of fun to watch if he's under center for them. I like Sam Darnold as well. I defended him back in September uh, on a segment for our TV show, um, The Extra Point. I think he's going to be a solid guy. I don't think you put him in there early on. I think you let him learn from a couple of the guys in front of him. And I think maybe you throw him in there at the end of the year, or if not at the end of the year, then I think he'll definitely be good to go next year. Rosen. I, I don't know. It's, I'm in the minority. I'm a big fan of the kid. I hope he succeeds. I think that he can be, can be the guy in Arizona. And of course you're playing behind Sam Bradford. I hate to say it about my boy, Sammy sleeves, but it, it history would suggest that he's probably going to get injured at some point for at least one or two games, if not more. So I'm sure we're going to see him at some point. I think he's going to be a solid, a solid pick for, for that Arizona franchise. I think he can kind of turn that thing around. And, you know, as, as you said, with Josh Allen, I'm not a big fan of the kid at all. I don't think he should have gone in the first round. I don't think he should have gone in the first three rounds. It's great that he has a big arm. Um, I, I don't care. He can't do anything else on a football field. He can wear shorts on a football field. God damn it, can he wear shorts on a football field, but that's about it. He can palm the water. He can do a lot of stuff that doesn't involve actually playing the sport of football. So it's – it. I don't know. It's That's that. Now, I'll ask you one final question about the NFL. Which rookie quarterback sees the field first? I think that it'll be – i think it'll it's uh i'd say baker i think he sees the field first
1: that's a that's a really tough question ryan i'm i'm gonna go man who's gonna see the field first this is so tough i i'm, I'm a loss of words right now because there are so many like situations i could throw through my head to where like someone wants to do something different or radical I think if Baker is able to beat out Tyrod Taylor and Hugh Jackson feels comfortable enough to roll the dice on him, and maybe, you know, it could be his last season in Cleveland, um, he would go with him. The other guy that I think would definitely get a shot to play uh, would be Lamar Jackson. The fact that Joe Flacco kind of has his back injury and, and, and what's going on with him, I mean, they're paying him a lot of money. So, you know, but if you're sitting there and you're telling me, hey, listen, I don't care how much money the guy's paying you. you think Jackson can win you more games than than Joe Flacco, you have to play him. I think the Jets are going to be smart with Darnold. I think the Cardinals are going to be smart with Rosen. And I think that the Bills are going to be smart with Allen. I think they look at those three guys and they're going to say, let's slowly work them along. We know we stink. Why throw them out there to get buried and kill their confidence early on? So I would say Mayfield and then Jackson.
0: All right, and that was part one of my discussion with Nick Halper. Be sure to tune into the podcast tomorrow for part two where we delve into Major League Baseball and the upcoming quarterfinals for the World Cup. Just as a reminder, you can catch the podcast on multiple different services, including Anchor, Google Podcasts, Breaker, Stitcher, and more. Be sure to go to my Anchor page at anchor.fm slash Ryan Sports Podcast. For all the latest updates of where you can find the Ryan Waldis Sports Podcast, you can also check out my website at ryanwaldis.com and connect with me on social media at Ryan Waldis on all of your major social media services. I want to thank you for listening to the July 4th edition of the Ryan Willis Sports Podcast. Happy Independence Day, everyone, and I'll catch you again tomorrow.